From VT Digger, I'm Mike Dougherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, how to confront vaccine hesitancy. Federal data shows Vermont has one of the highest rates of COVID vaccine acceptance in the country. And that's good news. But at least 7% of the adults in the state still say they're not likely to get vaccinated. Nationwide, experts are seeing vaccination rates slow down. And they're warning that vaccine hesitancy could prevent the U.S. from ever reaching true herd immunity from COVID-19. At the time of this recording, about two-thirds of Vermont's population, age 16 and over, have received at least one dose of the vaccine. At this point, most of the people who were eager to get the vaccine have now had the opportunity, which leaves people who were not so eager deciding what to do. In many cases, the front line for those decisions is the exam table at your local health clinic. So we asked doctors around the state how they're approaching these conversations with their patients and what lessons we can use when talking to people in our lives. Everybody who comes into the office, we ask, have you signed up for your COVID vaccine? Have you gotten your COVID vaccine? Then most people say, oh, yeah, I got it and it went really well. And that's when it comes up when people say, no, I'm not sure that I want it. This is Dr. Allison Landry. She's a primary care physician in Hardwick. She said what she's hearing from patients mostly tracks with the numbers. A lot of people who are enthusiastic about the vaccine and a handful who are not. There's a handful of people who really have been firmly a firm no and don't want to talk to me about it. And, and when I try to talk to them about it, actually, there's a, I've had a couple of people who have totally shut down and said, you know, don't say anything more about it. I'm not getting the vaccine. And there really was no opening for me. But that's the minority, vast minority. So there's a, um, a group in between those two extremes. right? So the people who really aren't really sure if it's safe for them have questions, have heard different things, and, and are, are looking for some guidance or, or are open to some guidance and have some trust in, in my professional opinion and expertise. The greatest power of the primary care relationship is that patients know us. We know about the surgery they had last year. We know what medications they take. We know how they reacted to a vaccine previously. So it enables us to talk to people about their own personal risk benefit ratio as far as we can uh, for something like a vaccine, which can seem very new and sometimes a little bit scary, especially if it's something that they've never had before. Dr. Heather Stein is the chief medical officer for the Community Health Centers of Burlington. It's actually very similar to the way that I ask about smoking. So I ask people if they're smoking, and then I also ask can I talk you out of it? And it's sort of similar. Can I talk you into getting the vaccine? And if it's a really obvious no, then we move on because that's probably not going to be a productive conversation and it's not really meeting their goals for the visit. But in a lot of cases, they may be ambivalent or just have questions, but maybe didn't know that they could ask them to me. We've actually been gearing up for months. We did not know at the beginning whether we would be giving out vaccines. And so we did actually spend quite a bit of time thinking about how we might be able to coordinate that. And then it has become apparent that we are not in that position, that instead we are potentially a really good resource for people who have questions about the vaccines. Dr. Jill Bloomberg is a family practitioner in White River Junction. She estimated that about 10 percent of her patients were showing some reluctance. We've had lots of conversations with individuals, you know, who are waiting. We have been told that they feel uncomfortable, that the vaccines 
came out so quickly. Some people are worried about the long-term effects and some people just don't feel that they personally would be that affected if they got the coronavirus. And so they just are not that enthusiastic. And then we do have some patients who are worried about things that they found online that we can easily dispel. Things like the vaccines are going to change my DNA. In most cases, people have heard about uh, post-vaccine reactions, and they want to know whether or not they're going to have them. Hmm. Is it going to make me sick? And how long is it going to make me sick? That's something that we can't predict 100% of the time, but we can definitely give people realistic expectations too. Like I was just speaking with a patient um, before I came in who's scheduled to get their second vaccine here in the next week. And they've heard that the second vaccine uh, has a lot more side effects or that people have more of a reaction. So we talked through what to expect. It probably won't be anything right away, but at 12 to 24 hours, you might feel like you've got flu-like symptoms. And this is what I would suggest to deal with symptoms. And this is when you can expect for them to be gone and to call us if you have any questions. Probably one of the more common ones I'm hearing is concerns about long-term safety. They say, oh, well, it hasn't been around very long. We don't know how safe it is. You know, how do I know it won't affect me down the road? And we just don't have enough information. And so I can address that and sort of really reassure them about the safety there. How do you address that, the kind of long-term concern that we don't have enough data, that this hasn't been around long enough? Well, I mean, one of the things is that um, the, the technology for this vaccine has been around a long time. So we do have a lot of information about, you know, how the vaccine has is developed and long-term safety is excellent for that type of technology. You know, and other vaccines that we've used using similar um, technology haven't shown any long-term um, safety issues. And so there's no reason to think that there may be. It's just not a concern that we have. The being new is definitely an issue for some. And I think that that's something that's a little bit more of a conversation to work through. Yes, it is a new vaccine um, and it's been approved under emergency use authorization, but I got it myself. My family members have all gotten it. It's something that I trust having reviewed the information and that I would say I strongly recommend for you because I care about you and I want you to stay safe. So I would really recommend that you get this, even though it's something that was just created in the last year. Mm -hmm. And often if there's someone who gets the flu shot on a regular basis, even though, yes, getting the flu shot is something that you do every year, the actual vaccine is often a little bit different every year. So um, that doesn't feel so unfamiliar. Do you find that it's effective? In some cases, you know, like I said, there's, there's definitely some people who have Uh, more ambivalence, or um, they've heard more or different stories, or maybe there's even concerns that they have that they don't raise with me, but they're going to go back and think about later. I will say that through this, I'm not going to be disappointed if I have a conversation with somebody and they don't decide that they want to get the vaccine while they're in the room with me. Hmm. Most people, if they're making a good decision for themselves, don't do it in an instant. They think about it for a little bit and maybe they'll read a little bit more and maybe they'll talk to somebody else. So this is oftentimes just one piece of information that they're going to use to make their decision. Um, But I hope that we're a trusted source for them and that we're giving them information that resonates with their goals. I would say, again, the one that I've heard has been people are worried about 
uh, the, the vaccines sort of changing their DNA. And for that strategy, I've basically just usually asked permission and said, hey, do you want to take some time and actually talk about how it works? Because I can explain to you how it works and how there's you do not need to worry about this changing your DNA. That has been effective for some people. You know, I had a patient of mine I've known for a long time and we kind of went through how everything works. And she's like, I I remember this from biology in high school. (laughs) And I was able to explain how the mRNA comes in, why it doesn't affect the DNA, nothing long-term, how the components of the vaccine are basically gone within a couple of days. And what remains is the body's response. So I think it varies. I think different people want to know different things about it. So in her case, just explaining how the vaccine worked was quite helpful. How can you tell when you're getting through? You know, in her case, it was because she asked me how she could then get the vaccine. And I... It's a good sign. And so that seemed pretty good. I think other ways of getting through is just simply having somebody be able to talk to you about it, smiling and nodding and knowing that maybe you've opened the door a little bit. You know, overall, I think, well, I would say I think my patients are great. They make great decisions. I have to trust that, that it happens in every area of of medicine that I'm a consultant. And so I'm hoping to take somebody who was against the vaccine and just have them think about it a little bit more and certainly touch base with them the next time I see them. But this is a choice for people now. Right. I have to leave it up to them. We'll be right back. Just a quick message from our underwriters. Community Health is Vermont's largest federally qualified health center. Affordable, accessible, quality primary health care at Community Health includes dental, pediatric, behavioral health, and pharmacy services. With practices in Rutland, Paulette, Shoreham, Brandon, and Castleton. New patients are always welcome. And centers are open seven days a week at Express Care in Rutland and Castleton. Community Health accepts Medicaid and offers sliding scale fees, making health care accessible to everyone. Community health. Your health is our mission. How do you respond differently to people in those two groups, the kind of in-between people and the hard no's? First of all, I think exploring what the questions are and, and what their perspective may be. Maybe they have heard some information that I can help understand where that's coming from, or they've had bad experiences with vaccines in the past, or they've heard hmm. stories. So trying to tease out where the sort of reluctance towards the vaccine is coming from and helping. I think it is important somewhat to, to normalize that, you know, to, it's normal to have questions about it and not be totally sure um, and not make them feel badly about that they're not interested or, or whatever. And so I, I try to respond to this in the same way to both of those groups, but hmm. that small minority that's a hard no are the people that I just can't reach. And, and they really um, are not receptive to a back and forth conversation about it. Again, it, it's really only been like, three people that I've had that particular experience with. Um, and, and, and you're going to have some that just are not interested no matter what you talk to them about. If people state that they are absolutely not interested in getting the vaccine, no matter what, it would be rude and not very therapeutic if I sort of kept 
poking at that. So I'll usually make a general statement that I got the vaccine. I strongly recommend it for health promotion. And I'm happy to answer any questions, but it's your body and you're absolutely entitled to make decisions about yourself and your own health choices. And you kind of just leave it there. For the most part. And every once in a while, somebody, even though they made a pretty dramatic no statement in the beginning, will then follow up and actually have questions. And then we can have a real discussion about whatever their concern might be and whether or not it's one that is something that could happen. Like, you know, the clots after the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, that is a real incredibly rare risk. So I think that's something that we can talk about. And then there are other risks that are really not based in science, like the concern about 5G or tracking or infertility. All of those things either don't have basis in in how vaccines are developed or they've been disproven, really don't make sense. So I can give that information and they'll walk away and think about that and maybe search for more information on their own. It's just um, sometimes uh, upsetting to still hear people say, well, you know, the COVID virus itself isn't real, right? There's still people out there. And those are those like three people, right? Who just uh, are totally have just misinformation coming at them from wherever sources that they're looking at or whatever community they're in. They just really think this is all either a conspiracy or, you know, it's, it's overblown and the coronavirus itself is not harmful. And that's disappointing. In those situations, I mean, do you, do you reach a point where you, you kind of just let it lie? I wonder, like, where, where do those conversations end? I have to, yeah. I mean, there was literally one man who was going to walk out on me, and but I, I really needed to address his diabetes, you know, and his other stuff. Right. <laughs> so, so we just sort of moved on. <laughs> I was speaking with a gentleman, I was on call over the weekend, and I just happened to ask him about the vaccine while I had him on the phone. And his background was, he had come from Eastern Europe, and while his wife had gotten the vaccine, his parents and he had this deeply ingrained distrust of vaccinations. And that has to do with, with events, historic events that happened in Eastern Europe, where in some cases, some vaccines that were rolled out were not well tested or were there, there were other things going on. So it, it came from a very reasonable place. So he was one who was very ambivalent, actually called, said 50-50, I'm 50-50. So we had a good conversation about that and took away a little bit of information. But in general, I think people have a lot of the same questions. And I will say the overwhelming questions have actually been much more about how am I going to feel and how uncomfortable am I going to be after I get the vaccine? I I would say one other concern that comes up among the vaccine hesitant conversations is, or not not concern really, it's sort of like, oh, I don't really need it, right? Hmm. Um, So you hear that from people sometimes who say, well, I'm I'm isolated as it is, you know, I don't see a lot of people and, you know, I'm not concerned about my own risk and sort of trying to get that public health message across of, you know, the more people we vaccinate it, you know, the, the sooner we can lift some of those restrictions on everybody. We may not have to wear masks in the future if enough people get vaccinated and getting at that messaging. Trying to think about, okay, well, what's something that you used to do before the pandemic that maybe you are doing now that maybe you'd like to do again? Like, wouldn't it be nice to be able to go hear some music in the park without a mask, you know, or, or, or something? <laughs> I imagine that you, in these conversations with patients, you have a certain degree of authority because you're a physician. I wonder for us lay people, what do you think are some strategies that uh, might help people talk to others in their lives who are kind of coming at them with similar concerns? Yeah, that, that can be a really challenging conversation to have because we care personally about our family members. And part of what makes me effective in counseling patients is that I care personally about them. 
but I'm also not going to be really upset if they don't choose to get it today, which with a family member, you might be because you're not just worried about them over the next year or two years or three years. You're worried about them next weekend. They're, they're somebody that is a close person to you. So I would say that one of the most important things is actually just checking how much emotion you're going into that conversation with, Hmm. because any emotionally charged conversation is going to be that much harder. Whereas if you actually come from a place of caring personally about the person you're talking to and trying to assess what their goals are and then whether or not the vaccine fits with their goals. Like you just told me that you want to travel. Can I give you a little bit of information about what travel is going to look like here over the next couple of years? You may actually have to have a vaccine or you might have to get uncomfortable testing every time you want to travel. So that may actually be the thing that motivates some people. Whereas for other people, it may be talking about, you know, my kids can't get vaccinated yet. So Aunt Joe, I really don't want you to come to the house until I can make sure that you're not going to potentially bring something for the kiddos. We absolutely want to connect with you. We're going to connect with you over FaceTime, but I'm not ready for you to come to the house. Do you have any questions about the vaccine? Because I got it. And this is what helped me make my decision. But yeah, coming from a place of prejudging the person that you're talking to and where they might have gotten their information or what they might be worried about is probably not going to set you up for success. I think what people tell the people that they love, that does make a huge difference. And again, I would say my, I feel my biggest connection comes when I just tell people how excited I was to get it myself and that I did it. And I'm really glad how relieved I was when my 80 year old dad was fully vaccinated. And I think those stories do break through, hopefully, eventually. You can read more about vaccine hesitancy and Vermont's push for herd immunity at vtdigger.org. And find all of our COVID-19 coverage in one place at vtdigger.org slash coronavirus. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger Newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We use music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. See you then. <laughs>